This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the booth. This is Behind the Braves booth, and it's great to have you with us as we're coming to you from Truist Park today alongside Joe Simpson and our producer engineer, Jonathan Chadwick. Ben Ingram here with you. And um, we're right in the middle of a homestand and uh, lots of great things that have taken place over the course of the first month or so of the season. But we got to see one of the greatest uh, things that we've seen all season last night. So I always want to talk about Spencer Strider. And before we dive into all that here on From the Braves Booth, here's our email address, bravesbooth at gmail.com. That's bravesbooth at gmail.com. Any questions or comments you might have, feel free to fire away. And this is episode number 39, and we appreciate you being out there. But, Joe, let's dive right into what we saw last night. We saw Spencer Strider, perfect for most of the night, took a no-hitter into the eighth inning. Braves won 11 to nothing, and while they pounded out five homers, the story was number 99. What an incredible performance. Yeah, you said a minute ago one of the great performances we've seen this year. Honestly, Ben, it's one of the best performances in recent Braves history. And it ranks right up there with a game I saw Maddox pitch where he threw a complete game and threw 76 or 79 pitches, something like that. But he didn't strike out 13 guys. Last night was just complete and utter dominance. I would rank it up there with a game that Smoltz pitched in Montreal where he struck out 14. And there weren't any really loud fouls, you know. Right. Uh, Last night there were a couple of hard hit balls, a couple of good defensive plays. Uh, and looking back, a couple of plays we wish had been made. But uh, his dominance last night and the way he pitched, so many first-pitch strikes and not many balls, period, was up there with as good as I've seen by a Braves pitcher. It was 80-something strikes out of 101 pitches, I think yeah, it was. yeah. And 31 swings and misses, I believe, was the final tally. Is that right? If you get to 20, you've had a good night with, with swings and misses mm-hmm. in one ball game. And I think you had 31. Uh, a few other numbers. Let me read this to you. This was really good. This was put out on Baseball References tw- uh, Twitter last night. It says, um, Spencer Strider collected his third career game with 13 or more strikeouts. And only John Smoltz and Warren Spahn have more such games in Braves history. Spencer just started about, what, 10 minutes ago? Yeah. I mean, he's 24 years old. Yeah. He's had three of those games already. Warren Spahn in his career had four. John Smoltz had five in 15 seasons. And Spencer has three of those already. And it just seems like that's a number he's going to blow off the map. One of the things that you've got to remember about Spencer, too, is, uh, A, he's already had Tommy John surgery. He's got that under his belt. B, his legs and backside are very strong. He can throw 99 to 100, but doesn't have to rely on his arms and shoulders, his arm and shoulders, to get that done. He's not putting a lot of stress on them because he, he's learned how to use his lower half. And because of that, I just see this going on, you know, as long as he wants it to go. Yeah, I think so. He had a quote after the game last night. Did you guys see this quote about his, his mentality? I thought this is amazing. He says, whether you're a starter or reliever or whatever, you're a closer that inning, and you earn the next one. 
How about that for a mentality? He's a starter, but he's going out there inning by inning, and that's his mentality that inning. I think Skip Schumacher said as much last night in his postgame comments for the Marlins that it's the kind of stuff you normally only have to face one inning as a closer. That's closer stuff, and he's out there every inning, and you just you're not able to regroup and somehow counter it. And so it goes along with his quote on that, uh, with Spencer's quote, that that's the, the mentality he has, that's the stuff he has. And, man, is it ever working. It sure is. I mean, you think about a guy that throws that hard, has that kind of stuff, and sometimes the old brain-dead heaver uh, description kind of gets lumped on a guy that throws 100 miles an hour. Yeah. He's not that. No. I mean, he, he is so analytical. He thinks so much. His mentality is something that he certainly focuses in on and sharpens. And, and he's a fascinating conversation. He's an extremely intelligent young man. And, and that personality with that stuff, I mean, it's easy to see why he's some people's favorite player. He's only been his third season. Think how many times we see a guy who throws hard like that and we, and our it seems like our never-ending comment is, man, if he ever develops an off-speed pitch, man, if he ever gets a secondary pitch, he's got him. Yeah. He's got a great slider. He's got a good changeup. He's already got all the weapons he needs, and he is letting it roll. He could be the kind of guy that you get to the end of the season and, and you're considering him for name the award. I, mean, mm-hmm. I, I expect him to be in that conversation because he is so dominant. And uh, when it comes to this pitching rotation, when you're rolling out Freed – and you're rolling out Strider 1 and 2, and you haven't even talked about the guy who won 21 games last year, and you haven't even talked about the guy who's been in the league for 20 years in Charlie Morton. When they're healthy, it's extremely deep. And I just love the diversity of this rotation. I love how each pitcher is extremely different and can beat you in different ways. Yeah, me too. And and I think that's it might be one of the more dangerous aspects of this team. We talk a lot about the depth of the lineup, and that's true. And when this team is healthy, they're so good and so deep. But I just love that if you face the Braves in a 3 four game series you're getting very different looks on the mound i like the fact that he is separated from max right now i like uh with max pitching sunday uh or was it saturday or sunday that max pitched uh he pitched sunday what day today is he pitched sunday Sunday. okay yeah i'd rather see them separated uh personally i was thinking max pitched saturday but those two guys having those two guys pitch at the top of their game right now help eliminate long losing streaks right now i know we just lost four in a row wasn't because max pitched poorly he pitched great gave it up late in the ball game but i like the fact that those guys if they're separated help separate any kind any any chance of a long losing streak it's a really good point i was thinking about something that that spencer told me last year we were talking about his start days and he, he got to, to telling me about how start days are different from every other day. And he, he has certain superstitions about what foot he places inside the clubhouse first when he opens the door and walks in. But the pitcher gets to control the playlist before the game. And, and it's been well documented. He, for his start days, it, it's one of his favorite bands, The Strokes. And he told me it's the full, uh, the, all, the, all the albums that they have had. And he just plays them on repeat. And that's how he gets ready for a game. And I, I was thinking about it. And The Strokes have an album. I don't know what year this came out. This is in the last four or five years, and it was called The New Abnormal. I'm like, that is such a perfect description for Spencer Mm -hmm. because he is so abnormal in the best possible way. He's so unique in so many ways on and off the field. And um, you you watch a guy like that, and the first thing that comes to my mind is I'm just glad he's on our team because it's so much fun to watch him. I may have to get the strokes and play him when I'm playing (laughs) golf. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, no, that's that's very cool. And whatever it is that floats your boat uh, to get ready for the ball game, music or otherwise, uh, I'm all for it. There were some guys who who didn't need all need any of that. That just wanted to show up, come out, take some batting practice, uh, go back in and rest, and then get ready for the game. That's not to say they didn't prepare and go over scouting reports. They all did, but um, I, I like this. I like this new mentality, provided they uh, know how good they are to begin with and don't really need all that. Good to see the team in the the four game losing skid last night. You and I mentioned this number last night that the Braves are the only team. What do we say since 2018? Yeah, who have not endured at least a five-game losing streak or more this four-game losing streak was their first in a couple of years and they've not had a five-game losing streak till you know to go back five six and, years and god like that. knows it was painful yeah that's exactly right <laughs> we're not used to it not at all and uh you needed a win uh, there's no doubt about that that's the understatement of the show but last night's game was the kind of game that you wanted somebody needed to pay and and while you have taken a four three win Having an eleven nothing win, I thought that's the kind of that's the kind of win you want right after a four game losing streak. You asked me before the game last night in our opening comments what I thought needed to happen to uh, kind of get it turned around, and I said offense. The offense has got to get going. They got to start driving in some runs with guys in scoring position, and not leave Ronald Acuna Jr. sitting at third base in the first inning every night. Well, they broke out in a big way. Mm -hmm. Uh, The offense was just tremendous, and I was very happy as Snit was talking about him after the game, Sam Hilliard having kind of a breakout game as a Brave with two monster home runs. Good for him, and he's back in there again tonight. And it makes you excited for what the lineup will look like once Michael Harris comes back. Um, I I thought Darren put this in in a perfect way when we were on the last road trip. This is when Hilliard robbed the home run in San Mm -hmm. Diego. And he says, you know where Dar- where uh, Sam Hilliard's going? I said, where? He said, nowhere. <laughs> yeah. and, and my thought was, you know, when, when you bring back Michael Harris, you can have Sam play in left field every game if you want to. And I'm sure he'll be out there with Eddie Rosario. You can DH him. But in other words, he, he, there's a place for him. You're not going to be seeing less of him just because Michael Harris comes back. And it just further deepens the lineup, having his bat towards the bottom of the order, whether it's seventh or eighth or wherever you want to put him. And, and his defensive abilities are, are rock solid, and you feel good about your outfield depth all the way around defensively and offensively once Michael comes back. It's funny. It was presented to me last night in the text during the game that it's like uh, Eddie and uh, Sam were sensing that Michael Harris is about to come back. <laughs> Sam hits a homer. Eddie says, okay, uh, I, maybe I better hit one. Right. So Eddie hits one, and now it's your turn, Sam. Okay, Sam hits another one. Uh, back to you, Eddie. Right. Trying to, in terms of who's going to play left field when Michael comes back, I um, I'm Sam Hilliard's 29 years old, I think, or about to be. I'm not sure. Uh, I cracked up last night when he had his helmet off after a home run and all that gray hair on the side of his head. I re- remembered that he was almost 30, but he does bring a lot to the table, and he is a big guy. He is finally getting a lot of consistent at bats they're coming at the expense of an injury to michael harris the second but he's making the most of them and he's getting a little more consistent is he going to swing and miss yes but he's going to drive some balls too and he's getting a lot of confidence and you're right and darren's right he's not going anywhere no he's not And, and it's one of my favorite things that you'll see in a season year to year you expect big things out of ronald acuna or matt olson or austin riley or max freed you expect those things but one of the big mysteries every season going into a year is who who's going to be a guy who steps up, 
Who's a guy who has a better year than he's ever had? Or maybe a guy that we're not talking much about at all who ends up playing a large role for the ball club. Sammy Hilliard's becoming one of those guys. And, and I love the um, unpredictable nature of the game that way where a guy that I didn't spend a second talking about in the offseason, even when the Braves grabbed him, and we'd see him every now and then at spring training, but we could not have known what kind of a role he would play for the ball club. And here he is uh, surging offensively. And I love the unpredictable nature of that in our game. I, I thought he was a backup. I, in this in this regard, I thought he was uh, insurance at Gwinnett because he had major league experience with the Rockies. Uh, he's an ideal guy. If somebody gets hurt, bring him up. Right, and, th- and that's kind of what happened. But um, he's got power to burn, and he can run. That was his fourth stolen base last night. I know they didn't make a throw on him, but he can steal a base for you sometimes too. Yes, he can. So lots of value there, and it's been great to see him. Uh, it's been wonderful to see the consistency of Ronald Acuna. I think one of the biggest questions in the offseason was, can Ronald be the guy that he was 2019, 2020, 2021 before the injury? Uh, you knew he'd be back. You knew he'd be healthy as he was last year, but would he have that explosiveness? And he's answered that question. He's turned in an MVP-type first month of the season, and that pretty much goes uh, all the way around defensively. Uh, offensively, getting on base, stealing bases, statistics are there. And for the first month of the season, I think that the resounding answer to that question is yes, he has resumed that form that he displayed back in 2021. I went up to him last night by the cage and said hello to him, and I said, you feeling good? And in English, he says, I feel very good. And I said, well, I can tell. You look good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And he's – I never had knee surgery I never had a torn ACL or any of that stuff, uh, but I can only imagine how, for a while, you're tentative. You don't know if it's going to hold together or not. You don't know if you're going to be Forrest Gump running down the road and all the all the <laughs> stuff flying off, the metal flying off of you. You don't know if it's going to hold together until you've got a little more time under you and you've played and you got have confidence and that's where Ronald is now. now I don't care what you're doing if you're tentative to any degree you're not going to be able to perform 100 percent yeah and, and that tentative nature is gone and he's performing the way that we expect uh, coming up on the schedule you got three left with Miami and then the Braves head to see the Mets for the first time that'll be a four game wraparound series in New York and then down to Miami to see uh, the Marlins again for three so that kind of takes us through the end of April and you want to win these games, obviously, against teams out of your division. But I think outside of the four-game losing skid, you'd look at where the Braves are right now and say, thumbs up, really good start. That's something you didn't have the last few years. No, it's always been fighting from behind the last two or three years, trying to catch up, get to 500, and then assess where you are. Uh, they have done a great job. The staff has done a great job of uh, piecing some things together in terms of the lineup with so many guys out. Uh, Orlando Arcia was playing great and contributing mightily and then it was like really another injury you know how many more of these can we endure but they have and they have a good record and when these guys start coming back one after the other i think colin McHugh comes back tonight tonight uh that's going to help drastically uh then it's almost like okay you're already at 500 in fact you're better than that let's build from here I love getting McHugh back. We saw Russell Iglesias have a live BP session yesterday with Michael Harris in the box. So that leads you to believe that both of those guys could be ready here in the next few days or within a week or something like that. And then Travis Darno's getting closer and closer. So altogether, your point is putting together a really good first month of the season, having a really good start in a month where you, you have not had 100% health. Uh, that's a major statement. And, and let's play better at home. 
Yeah. You know, uh, got a win last night. But it's not just the fact that you've lost some games here at home, which we're not accustomed to seeing, but haven't played well at home defensively and otherwise. Um, hopefully last night was the start of some things to come at Truist Park. Hope so, too. We have a ton of questions to get to. And um, anything else you want to dive into before we take a peek at those? I don't think so. Okay. We've got, gosh, I've got six pages worth of questions here. I know that JC's going to jump in like we always do. And, again, our email address is bravesbooth at gmail.com. Any questions or comments that you have, feel free to fire away. And we'll get to them at some point. Hopefully we'll get to as many of these as we possibly can. And uh, let's go ahead and start off with this one. This is from Scott, and this is very timely given what we started our show with and what we saw last night. What stood out the most to all of you about Spencer's masterpiece last night, and did you guys think he was going to finish the drill? I I know we were hopeful, and and with the stuff that he had, the thing that was going through my mind was, man, I want to see a perfect game because, number one, it's hardly ever happened in the history of the game. I think 25 perfect games or something like that. But our franchise – in the long history of the Braves franchise, which goes back to the 1860s, there has never been a perfect game. So when the error took place, in my in my mind, I thought, well, the biggest challenge was the perfect game. I think he's getting a no-hitter. He looks that good. Yeah. I, th- I really thought he was going to throw a no-hitter last night. I did, too. I thought he had it. I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was how efficient he was. 101 pitches and 81 for strikes. So that's what stood out the most. But, yeah, when he got into the seventh inning, and if memory serves, I'll have to go back and look at my book, but didn't he get an out in the seventh inning before Segura got he the, did. the he, blue pit? He went seven and a third, yeah. So in the seventh inning, and he was he was still – or no, he wasn't perfect at that point, but he still had the no-hitter going. I thought he was going to get it. I did too. I honestly thought we were going to see it. I did too. And um, just because he didn't do it last night doesn't mean he's not going to. No, and, and consider this too, that um, – uh, Gene Segura is the only guy that didn't strike out. Yeah, that tells you a little bit about his mentality at the plate and his approach. He was just up there slapping and hacking to try to find a hole, and he did. Now, grinning and running down the first baseline with a bat, bat flip. I don't know how that will be received. <laughs> I think I don't think anybody will think twice about it. But it was a little out of line for that. Um, he's that type of hitter, though. Yeah, he he's not going to strike out he's going to do everything he can to put the ball in play and it wasn't even a strike no it wasn't way outside and low and he went down and somehow put it out in the left center field if you had to guess how many stolen bases Ronald Acuna Jr. will end up with at the end of the regular season what would it be that's from Chad I'll say this whatever he's done in the past he's going to blow by that because was he at 12 now yes Mm -hmm. and we played 24 games 23 games whatever it is uh, if he gets on base, he's looking to go, and I, I, you're obviously going to see stolen base numbers uh, accelerated across Major League Baseball, but he's the kind of guy under these rules, if he was able to steal 40 or close to 40 under the old rules, he could easily be 60 stolen bases this year. I, I'm going on the over. Pick a number. I'm going over. Yeah. Is it 40? I'm going over. It might be 50 or 60 uh, at, at the pace he's on right now, and it all hinges on him getting on base. And the way he's walking right now, the selectivity he has at the plate is such an asset too when it comes to that i think he's currently on pace for 88 uh provided he stays healthy and plays the entire season which we all hope that he does i'm gonna set the number somewhere in the high 60s go for it jonathan could you steal bases were you a base stealer not really no no good base runner though weren't you yeah 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 
Did you pick up the third base coach when you hit triples, or did you just watch the ball yourself in the right field corner? I picked up the coach. That away. Good. What about you? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. And I stole bases, <laughs> and I tagged up when so I'm supposed to. Your legs are a little longer than mine. Hey, other guys' shorter legs could steal bases. Maury Will's legs weren't that long. Yeah, here's a bullet out there. Yeah. I do love that that's one of your expertise because it's one thing to have a pitcher up here or a, or a position player, but I love having you be able to tell us about stealing bases because it's such a fine art, and it's something that um, not everybody who played knows a whole lot about. And it's, I've learned a, lear- I learned a lot about stealing bases and base running just by listening to you. It's funny because, you know, uh, the really good hitters could pick up uh, things from a pitcher. I, I was – talking to chipper last night he was talking about pitcher a pitcher b and how they tipped their pitches and how chipper caught on to it and wore this guy out you know tore him up well you can do the same thing as a base stealer if you are a guy who can run you can see first moves by a pitcher especially these days right that can give you a definite advantage sometimes their left heel is the first thing that comes up off the ground if they're a right-handed pitcher sometimes it's a knee bend you can see a little crease in the back of their left Bless you. Sneezing left knee. Uh, that might be their their shoulder. There, there's things like that that, as if you study, you're going to find weaknesses and pick on it. Who, who did you learn the most about or most from when it came to stealing bases? Maury. Maury was a, a coach in spring training uh, for the Dodgers, and then he would kind of go around to various teams, kind of roving base running instructor. Right. And I think I learned more from him than anybody. Very cool. Here's a question from Mike. He said, are you guys looking forward to seeing the new video board at City Field this weekend? Yeah, that one and the one in Philly. Uh, Phillies and the Mets both got new video boards, but from what I understand and what I've seen on Twitter, the one in New York looks like an absolute monstrosity. So I'll be interested in checking that out. For yeah, I mean, time. I guess it's a shiny new toy. It'll be cool to see, but, you know, I'm looking more forward to four wins. Work. Here's one from Larry, and I, it's to Ben, Joe, and Toe Chad. What's, what's that all about? That's when he broke his Remember toe, toe last, year last year in, in Denver. Forgot. He dropped that liter and a half bottle of water on his yes. foot. Yeah, Larry's for, been with us for a minute. And well, I forgot about that. That was very painful and ugly. I'm, I'm sorry you had to. It was, yes. Uh, it, between smashing my pinky toe and smashing my thumb in the window last year, mm-hmm. it was a painful 2022. Yeah. <laughs> Your extremities. He wanted to know, at what point do the Braves start to shift their focus away from shortstop with Vaughn Grissom? That's from Larry. I guess when uh, you get healthy with Orlando Arcia. Now, if you have more games like what we saw the other night, maybe you could think about Shoemake, but what are your options? That's Uh, that's my thing. That's one. I mean, if I honestly, if if you see Vaughn continue to play tentatively and kind of stiff, when you're playing tentatively and don't want to make a mistake and you're worried about making an error, your hands and your arms become very stiff and hard. He can't afford that. I don't. The team doesn't care if he hits a buck fifty. They need him to catch the ball, and I think Vaughn knows that too. And he's going. He's working very hard at it, but he needs to start making those plays. Got to have it at shortstop, no doubt about that. Um, 
Let's see here. Hey, guys, when a pitcher is struggling in a game, how much influence does he have over when he gets pulled? If he believes he can get out of a jam, does the manager take the pitcher's opinion into account? And that's from Adam in Columbia, South Carolina. That's a really good question, Adam. And that has everything to do with a guy who's on the mound because we've seen veteran pitchers, guys who are aces, talk their way through a situation. Manager will come out. You think about a Max Scherzer or someone like that. And it's not a one-sided conversation between a manager and the pitcher. A lot of times there's a big conversation, and that, that manager will show trust in that pitcher because he's earned it. Uh, outside of that, you might have a, a rookie pitcher, a guy who's been in the big leagues two or three years. It doesn't matter what he thinks. If the manager's coming out, he's taking the ball and going another way. So I think it all has to do with who's on the mound and what that guy has accomplished and, and uh, what kind of trust he's accumulated from his manager over the years. And many times if you're watching – uh, Brian Snitker come out of the dugout. He's not getting to the mound waiting for a discussion. Right. He's pointing to the bullpen because he's already made his mind up. Uh, we saw a pitcher last night get disgusted when the manager came out to take him out. Cabrera slamming the rosin bag down. He didn't want to come out of the game, but uh, he didn't have that option to discuss it. If that's Alcantara, maybe he has a say. Yes. But Cabrera, you don't have a say. Yeah, you're done. That's the way it goes. Here, here's a letter from someone and this is like an ultimate compliment to us guys check it out this is from ralph l davis the third in beaumont california california okay last year jay chad called an inning and remarked how fast the action seemed to go by given that the pitch clock is really up the pace of play how do you think jay chad's uh play-by-play will do behind the mic this year a It'll be a disaster. B, it'll be a catastrophe. C, the FCC will contemplate suspending your license. All kidding aside, I just wanted to say I really enjoy your guys' radio calls. I'm actually a Dodger fan and raised on Vin Scully. Since his passing, I've been hunting the MLB airwaves for a broadcast that could replace his and fortunately found the Ben and Joe show featuring J. Chad. Keep up the great work. Ralph L. Davis III, Beaumont, California. What a nice letter. That's an extremely nice letter, Ralph, and we appreciate it. And it's good to have you tuning in. And something that I really like about that is, look, he says he lives in California. He's a Dodger fan, but he's a baseball fan and, and likes listening to other broadcasts. And I know that's something that we all enjoy and chatting baseball with people of, of different fan bases. So that's great that we can have Ralph tune in here and there. To answer your uh, first question, Ralph, it'll be somewhere in the middle between A and B, between <laughs> a disaster and a catastrophe. No, it won't. No, it won't. You're going to handle it just fine. It'll probably be about a half-hour inning since last year it went real fast. You're going to have a lot of calls. I want a home run so bad. Oh, yeah. It so couldn't bad. have went any quicker last year. No. no. Well, here's the thing. I mean, last year when you were doing play-by-play, you had Hoeing on the mound for Miami. He's pitching tonight, That's so maybe right. you come on the air tonight and give us a scouting report. I think we're going to reserve it for 162 after, after we've wrapped up the division. Well... As long as he's pitching against somebody named raking or shoveling, you know, we'll be in good shape. Where do we finish the season this year, by the way? Are we at home? Yeah. Yeah, we are. Okay. With Washington. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. I hope we hope a grand slam yeah, and he gets could, a call. It. That, that last week, I mean, we're, we got the Cubs in Washington. We could mix him in with little Dansby Swanson, you we know, could. and the Cubbies. What if we clinch in game 162 and he's got the call? Oh, that – well, <laughs> I don't know that that – that's not a good idea because his head would hit the mic and he'd pass out. Yeah. <laughs> the amazing radio, that's for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see. Joe, when you're not calling games, 
Do you still watch the Braves every day? That's from Nelson. Uh, pretty much. Um, if I'm not, uh, I'm like a lot of people, Nelson. I will have the game on, um, but it'll be muted. And I'll have Ben and Jay Chad and whoever's filling in. Got the boys on. Have the boys on on the radio. And uh, that's how I prefer to watch and listen. Very good. Uh, this is another one for Joe. Mike from Bismarck, North Dakota, wants to know, what kind of new golf clubs did you just buy? And two, and I know you'll love this question, have you ever been uh, invited to play or played at Augusta? He seems to have enough pull to get himself invited for 18 out there, Mike. Mike, little do you know, our, our guy has been on the Masters course there in Augusta, what, about a year and a half ago? Yeah, a year ago last December. And um, one of the bucket list great thrills ever. Uh, in terms of what clubs I bought, I bought, I got some new Mizunos, and I love them. I kind of went to some old man uh, graphite shafts, but I can't recommend Mizuno irons uh, any higher. They're they're just fabulous. I have some a Mizuno driver too, but uh, me and my driver don't seem to get along real well. But that's not the driver's <laughs> fault. Um, Augusta was a bucket list that was thanks to. Uh, our chairman, Terry McGirt, who is a member there, uh, invited me. It, it was, I, I don't want to make this sound um, anything other than grateful, but it was kind of short notice. It was like on a, I'll say like on a Tuesday or something, I got a call from Derek Schiller, our president, who said, can you be at the front gate at Augusta on Friday or you know something like that. And I yeah. <laughs> they said, be there at 11. I think I was there at 830 <laughs> waiting to get in. So it was a great opportunity. We were supposed to play two days in a row. Uh, we got rained out in the second day. I birdied number 15, so that was the highlight of my round, and um, we'll talk about it forever. It was great. It's really fun watching the Masters when we, we got it up there in the booth, and you have expertise now on multiple holes, and you'll say, well, the, mm. the green's going to do this, or the holes at this part of the green. That's pretty fun. Well, I can tell you right now, Ben, he's going to have a tough shot out of those <laughs> woods because I was in there, and uh, you know all a, about them. there's a lot of trees there. <laughs> Here's a question from John in Atlanta. Ben, Joe, and Jay Chad, big fan of you guys. I was curious what you guys think when it comes to Marcelo Zuna. It's almost getting uncomfortable to watch. I've been a defender f more than most, and I hate to see him struggle like he is. We do too, John. Just wondered how much longer the leash will be if he continues to struggle like he is. Again, that's from John. John, I made my feelings, I think, pretty clear here a couple of days ago, and I talked about how uh, it makes me very uncomfortable hearing our own fans boo one of our players so vociferously. Uh, it makes me feel bad for Marcel. Do I feel sorry for him? No. I mean, he's a grown man. Uh, he's making more money than any of us will ever make combined. Uh, it's, you, you don't feel sorry for him with the, with, ex, with the exception of how he's a brave. He's a brave, and he's just getting crucified by the fans. And for that, I feel bad. Mm -hmm. I, I don't like it, and I understand it. I just don't, I don't like it for one of our players. You know, and as we record this at 3.30 in the afternoon on Tuesday, there's Marcel down there on the field getting some early work in. So it's not that he's not putting the work in. He is. Um, and I think Joe kind of said it best. We all hate to see what he's going through, and hopefully he can turn it around. Hey, he's a nice guy. And by all accounts, he's a really good teammate. Um, 
that's another reason we hate to see anybody struggle that much. Uh, it's obvious he's not going to get sent to AAA, you know, to go get some work. Right. Um, but how much longer he'll be in a Braves uniform? Uh, those days, I think it's like the sand in the hourglass. I think there's, I don't think there's much sand left in that upper level of the hourglass. Yeah, we're talking about the the health of the team, and once Harris is back, and you kind of let some things play out, he he could be the odd man out. Yeah, yeah. And we just saw the Diamondbacks eat what thirty four million. Yeah, it's not our money. Garner. It's yeah. not our money. It's easy for all of us, including the fans, to say, uh, "Why are you hanging on to him? Why don't you get rid of him?" Well, there's about thirty four million dollar thirty four million reasons. Yes, not to cast him adrift. All right, here's one from Adam. Hey, Ben, Joe, and Jay Chad, big-time fan and long-time listener. If each of you were not in broadcasting and instead were part of the facilities crew, what job would you want? Field crew, ball boy, vendor, usher, etc. Thanks for blessing our ears with your artful broadcast each night. Braves Country is lucky to have you. That's from Adam. Thank you, Adam. I, I, let me tell you this. I would not be on the grounds crew. I pulled tarp, broadcasting games in the minor leagues. Those guys have my utmost respect. I want no part of that again. So maybe something where I got to throw on a golf shirt, something where I can evaluate talent or something like that. You don't that. want to be a hose holder for no, Ed Mangan? I do not. <laughs> I'm not holding anybody's hose. Okay. <laughs> long day, long days for those boys. First ones to arrive, last ones to leave. Yeah. Of the jobs that you listed, um, I think I'd probably have to say ball boy. Get me yeah. back in uniform. Yeah, bat boy. I want to be the bat boy. Yeah. yeah so I can run, get the bats and the – shin guards the elbow guards and everything and then just fire off some little you know snipes every once in a while yeah how the how did you hit that (laughs) (laughs) you'd learn a lot being down there oh yeah yeah you you don't want your 12 year old son doing this (laughs) not at all how old was gabe when he he was a bad boy that one day he was only about uh nine or ten where where was that montreal no that was at the astrodome okay and he he was he had a wonderful time he talked about how great mark lemke was to him which is no surprise to any of us and how scared he was of ryan klesko and that ryan (laughs) would throw his helmet and throw his stuff and he jacabe was just dodging it all night but the worst part was in the astrodome they put the buggy that had all the bats and equipment in it on some kind of elevator that went up to a concourse and then to the clubhouse. It didn't come up some private elevator. And he, he was he had had enough of the fans who were trying to reach in the buggy to get bats and helmets and steal stuff, and he's going, Gah! <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, he did a great job, and it was wonderful that Bobby let him do it. It was an experience he won't ever forget. But, yes, he heard – yeah, well, he'd he'd heard it before, but uh, it was not something you want to have your young son around all the time. Yeah, that's hilarious. I was going to say my first kind of experience to seeing and hearing some things I'd never heard or seen before. Um, I went to a Leonard Skinner concert when I was I don't know probably maybe thirteen, fourteen years old, and I heard, saw, and smelt some things I'd never. Ah, uh, it's a great education. Mm-hmm. It, it it was very educating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you turn to your – who were you with, your your dad? Yeah, my dad and Dad, what's that smell? Yeah. <laughs> what's burning, Dad? <laughs> this is from Ben. He says, which cities 
Oh, that was mine. I was going to do that one, too. Fire good. away. No, it's a good one. All right. Uh, which cities would you like to see in the next round of baseball expansion? Nashville, Portland, Montreal. Additionally, how much do you miss the old Louisiana hot sauce plug? You guys got me at least once a week with the newest hot prospect bit. That's from Ben. Yeah, those were fun. And uh, they've changed them up a little bit. Well, that's probably good. But with the baseball expansion, well, one thing's for sure we're going to have, uh, it's not an expansion team, but a new city coming in here in about uh, four years with the A's moving to Las Vegas. That's exciting it could also be dangerous mm-hmm. <laughs> any place can be dangerous but especially vegas yeah i i am definitely on the montreal bandwagon i i would like to see them with a new stadium uh and one that is more downtown than the old olympic stadium was i think they could i think they could do it this time uh and it may not be real popular around here, but Nashville, I think, is one of the more popular choices, too. I feel like that's in our backyard, and I feel like that's part of our country. And maybe that's, yeah. you know, Braves country, I feel like it reaches to Nashville. So I'm, maybe that's me being selfish, but I feel like that's kind of our territory. But I understand. I mean, it's a growing place, and I think a team would do very well I, there. I, I played in Portland in the minor leagues, in the Coast League. That's uh, a long time ago. Yeah. Things have changed. But I have, I have zero interest and if portland if you're listening i don't care zero interest in major league baseball going to portland i agree with ben i feel like there's a lot of big braves fans i know some of them in nashville and i I definitely think that's braves country selfishly on the other hand if they did get a team i'd enjoy it my twin brother and older sister and both of their families live there so it'd be another excuse one two maybe three times a year to get up there and to see some family so that would be good the other one you mentioned that intrigues me is Montreal. I never got to go to Olympic Stadium, but over the course of the last five or six seasons, Joe has told us so many good, fun stories about Montreal and going to dinner and the different things. And, you know, I only wish I got to experience that. So if they got a baseball team again, I'd be all for it's it. It's a great city. It's a one. It's like, I mean, it's in Quebec, so there's all the French influence. But like Toronto, clean city, you know, uh, cosmopolitan, great, great uh, European kind of influence on it. It's it's very nice. Uh, let me ask you this: uh, If it came down to Nashville or Charlotte, both both bo- both in the kind of in the uh, Atlanta Braves footprint, which one would you say? I think Nashville for me, and I, and I hope it'd be an American League team. If, if they're going to have a team there, I'd like for them to at least be in a different league than us. Yeah, that's a good call. Take your pick. I don't really have, uh, I guess, a preference. I, mean, I, they, I love Nashville. It's one of my favorite towns. I, mm-hmm. That's why, you know, if we go there. Yeah, I mean, I'd re- if I would rather go to Nashville than Charlotte. Yeah. And nothing against Charlotte. I've just spent more time in Nashville and enjoy it a lot. So, yeah, if I had to pick one of the two, I guess, fourth, I'd pick Nashville. You know, if, if, if Charlotte got a team, they would probably have a between-innings race that I've been – begging for for years and that's stock cars oh, that'd be good they'd have a stock car race instead of tools but do you think they would actually race yeah they would actually race okay it, it wouldn't be choreographed <laughs> gotcha yeah one more thing on montreal it makes me anytime you guys mention montreal i think about the story that they told us about leo where, where leo said man i love coming here it's a fun town it's almost like you're in a different country yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh Here's one from Matthew. Hey, guys, what's the process for how you've chosen the analysts on road trips thus far? 
I thought Darren O'Day and everyone else has been fantastic over the past few years. Thanks and go Braves. That's a great letter there, a great note, Matthew, and we appreciate it. And that's a that's a choice or answer or other for Jonathan. The process, you know, number one, these guys have to be interested. And as far as how they're chosen, you know, we usually start with Joe and do Joe's schedule first. And we know, you know, when Joe's going to work and when he's not going to work. And then we have to fill the rest of the games in. Uh, a lot of these guys, Nick and Peter uh, specifically, they have TV commitments. So a lot of the time we have to work around the TV schedule. So, you know, by process of elimination, who's available, you know, that kind of I think would be my best answer. Um, the availability of those guys, they have to be, be available f- to do radio and they have to want to do it. And we've lucked out the last few years. I feel like getting those guys down to spring training getting some reps, seeing if they enjoy it or not. Um, and it's been fun to have, you know, some other guys. And I feel like over the course of the last uh, few months, specifically this year at spring training, we've we've built a stable of guys that we know we can count on when Joe's going to take time off. Yeah, and it's it's good to have guys that want to do it and, and our fans know. I yes. think that's the best thing. It, yeah. it, we could bring in other guys, but I like that um, our fans know who these guys are. Uh, the, the the whole thing with, with Darren took place when, Joe, you and I were having a conversation one day with Larry Anderson. He was in there, and, and we all love L.A. He's hilarious. And he left the booth, and I turned to Jay Chad. I said, you think Darren O'Day would be any good at doing broadcasting? Because he reminds me a lot of L.A. Yeah. And, and Jay Chad said, he actually might. And, and I said, you know what, I'm going to ask him. So I just asked him the next day, and he's like, I have to think about that. Well, then he reached out in February and said he was interested in doing it. And so we had him on the schedule. So we, we added him to a list of guys who our fans know who want to do this. They're, they have great personalities. They're fun to be around. They know a lot about the game. And I just love the collection of guys that we have who can step in, Joe, whenever you decide to take some time off. And, and our fans know them. And it's here's this guy who we've been pulling for for a decade. It's not just some random person. Uh, let's say two. Uh, in addition to personality and name recognition, is um, certainly knowledge of the game and the ability to talk about it. Uh, and, and as they learn, uh, it has to be in a quick, concise way in most instances. I thought Darren did a great job. Those were his first games. Ever. Uh, ever. And I thought he did a tremendous job. And what I liked was that he brought a very contemporary set of eyes he's uh still very much in contact with some guys on the field friends with those guys um but he can talk pitching uh intelligently and he can talk about the modern game and i thought that was a very strong addition to our stable as jay chad called it kelly johnson had never done it before and most of these guys in my opinion that we've added um start slow they're, they're trying to get their feet wet and figure out how to do this without getting in Ben's way and without, you know, saying the wrong thing or whatever. And Kelly got really good toward mm-hmm. the end of his week, and he's looking forward to his first set of games in Toronto and Texas. Yeah, coming up in a couple trips. Yeah, so these are all people that the fans know and want to do it. I think that's what you said, Ben or Jonathan. They want to do it. And that's uh, that's a big key. 
You know, the other thing is it, it's why we've talked about it's so vital for these guys to do spring training games. Mm-hmm. It's not the regular season. They don't count. Uh, they're midweek games at 1 o'clock. We want them to do well, but they need to see if they enjoy it too. And if they get down there and they decide it's not for them, or if someone was to not maybe be that good, it doesn't matter. So it's nice for these guys to get the reps at spring training. And we've been very lucky with the guys that we have that have wanted to do it. They've been a joy to be around. They're fun. And they just fit right in with everything that we do. Yeah, it's a good crew. And we have a lot of fun. Speaking of that, here's a question that, that's kind of about that. This is from Jeff. Have you guys enjoyed getting to know Brandon Gauden so far this season? And and we absolutely have. We, we've become big fans of Brandon um uh, i think he's a great addition to our crew and while maybe when we're kind of separate with radio and tv we still spend a lot of time with each other on the road at home and that was i think our biggest concern when you knew somebody new was coming in how are they going to fit in with the group are they going to be somebody that we enjoy being around and brandon absolutely is and a big fan of his work big fan of his talent and who he is more importantly i have to say we've been on two road trips now the last road trip i spent time with brandon on three or four occasions he fits in beautifully he's been a joy to be around he's fun he has one of the best senses of humor Mm -hmm. i've ever been around Uh, i'm have enjoyed spending time with him i think he was a fantastic addition i'm glad he's here and i can't wait to spend more time with him it's all a's across the board for me And, and i remember when he was first hired we were talking about and wondering how he would fit in and was he the right guy and all this stuff what i appreciate as much as anything and the fact that he has an excellent voice but he is he's a braves guy he's yeah. a braves fan he he is a braves historian he grew up you know as a kid loving all the uh teams of the 90s and into 2000 etc he he knows all that stuff so he can call upon it when he needs to and he's a big it's in his heart so and you can tell it when you hear it so uh for him to be the one that was chosen while he may not have been a household name to a lot of people didn't take long for people to warm up to him right there with you it's a really good call this is from jim and uh Jim says, hello, was lucky and bundled up enough to be at Sunday's game in Kansas City. I looked up before the game and noticed that they were working on getting the windows completely open to your booth while other booths either stayed closed or were slightly cracked open. Just curious on why a colder, windy day you wanted them wide open. And um, Jim, we're just tougher on the radio side. It's it's the man. (laughs) You and Darren and Jay Chad were men. There are probably times, Jim, where – my decision to open up some windows is an unpopular decision. I just hate the idea. And this kind of makes me think back on the 2020 season where we're calling games remotely. I love the crowd. I like being connected to the crowd, and I like the open windows. And whatever everybody else is sitting in, what the guys are playing in, I want to be broadcasting in. And there are some days that that's probably tougher than others, but I just feel like that's the way to do the job, and that's how I enjoy it. It was cold (laughs) Uh, darren and i were frozen by the end of that game but that's not something that i'm going to draw a line in the sand with when it comes to ben i know ben likes the windows open um you know if he wants the windows open then we're going to have the windows open you know i'll use veto power if i had it somewhere else it were like that day in chicago you guys had maybe that would be about the extremes of the window opening you really don't have much choice at wrigley though i mean they have windows but there's so there's so many gaps it doesn't matter yeah 
I can't remember the last time I was as cold as we were in Kansas City. You saw Rex Huddler in the bathroom. What did he say to you about the windows being closed or open? I'm he sorry. He said, windows open, huh? I said, yeah, just that's how I got to work. He said, I said, what about you? He said, we're, we passed the hero phase a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of heroes, this is kind of a long-running question from fans, and in particular, Ann which I'm beginning to wonder here, this last part of your question, Ann, as to what your real motive is. Now that Glavin is back, it seems like the steel cage match would now be three-on-three. Does that change the eventual outcome at all? And also, would all six of you wear tight singlets? (laughs) I mean, if we're wrestling, we're wearing tight singlets. Come on. Be, I may still have one from high school. <laughs> it, it'd be wrestling. It yeah, would be. There'd yeah. be turnbuckle stuff. There would definitely be uh, some drop kicks. And I want the the ultimate warrior kind of stuff. The, the, the uh-huh. stuff tied onto the arms and all the flair. And mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, does it change the eventual outcome? Come on, no. They had their windows closed for the TV broadcast. Yeah, I mean, Glavin's got to be in like his eighties now, and Jeff yeah. Jeff weighs yeah. like a hundred and fifty pounds. I just wow. got to get low on both of them, and we're good. Yeah. No, it doesn't change the outcome at all. The only way that's going to change is if they somehow draft um, uh, Jordan Alvarez up Ooh, there. Yeah. That may shift things just a bit. But We'd have to sweat a little bit. It would It would take something like that to really swing the scales because they're, they'd go down. It, well, they they wouldn't they'd fold just the way that it is. Yeah, I did think Darren had a really good angle on this. We were in the gym one day, and, and Gordon's in there a lot, big time runner, big runner. And Darren says, you know, I've, I've heard this question come up about the steel cage match, and there's no doubt radio we we just destroy them. But if we got to catch them, we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Like, you're probably right there. <laughs> uh, Thank you, Ann, and uh, we'll let you know about those singlets. Jonathan often wears his to the ballpark. <laughs> we need a Braves Radio Network calendar, a swimsuit calendar. Actually, we don't need that, but we can sell them. Uh, ben, Joe, and JTAD, big big fan of you guys. I was curious what you guys think when it comes to Marcelo Zuna. We already kind of covered that, been uncomfortable. Sorry, I already forgot to cross that one off. We already talked about it. Um, go to a different page, Joe. Right, I got one. Okay. Uh, hi, Ben, Joe, and Jay Chad. Often hear people asking what your favorite ballparks are, and I have noticed many times your replies include stadiums that are climate controlled, and for that reason, um, after sitting in the blazing sun near the left field foul pole for my first season as an A-list member last season, in addition to surviving many rain delays over the years, I was curious why a retractable roof wasn't considered at Truist Park. What are your thoughts on that? Thanks so much for your awesome podcast and broadcast. Go Braves. That's from Sally in Stone Mountain. And I think ultimately it's cost more than anything. Maybe the only thing. Dollars. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't hate it if they had one. That's for sure. Yeah. Um... I think they took that money and spent it on what we see beyond the right field wall out there in the battery. Yes, sir. Yeah. If there was anything I would add to what they did here, it would be an elevator here in the press box. That'd be a good one. But that's a personal thing that would benefit a handful of people and not the majority. 
And if we had a roof, too, we wouldn't get the incredible rain delay coverage from Kevin McAlpin like we do you know, and all a, our great calls. That is a very good point, the old frozen rope. That's right. Do, does I have a question. Where does that come from, the frozen rope? Would, did Chernoff call him that? Yeah, Matt Chernoff from the flagship does that afternoon talk show mm-hmm. here in Atlanta. He was the one who gave Kevin that nickname, but I can't tell you how that started. Okay. We'll ask him. It wasn't from like a line drivey hit in softball or anything? I doubt it. I think Kevin was more of a um, walk and a high strikeout guy. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I got one from Corey who asks when I'm describing the uniforms, uh, how come I don't do the caps? And... uh, Corey, I don't have a good answer for you. I just I, sometimes we're, when I'm doing the, the uniform rundown of what each team is wearing, you kind of run out of time. I don't want to spend too much time on it because we have another pitch coming up. But um, yeah, maybe I can mix that in here and there and just kind of tell you if it's the the all navy cap or the navy crown with the red uh, bill on it. So mix that I, in. I have a question for the fans for our next podcast. Uh, I'd like to know, almost like conducting a poll here what the thoughts are, uh, generally speaking, on the City Connect uniforms. I've seen a guy uh, in ESPN.com who kind of ranks them. He's some fashionista, I guess, and had the Braves out of 15 teams. He had the Braves ranked 14th because it wasn't different enough and because it wasn't uh, uh, a departure from the other uh, alternative uh, alternative uniform the Braves wear that is, goes back to Hank's days. Right. But I want to know what the fans think about City Connect uniforms. Do you like it when the teams come out with all this new gear um, or not? It's a good question. We see a bunch of them down there in the stands. They've sold oh, a ton of it, oh, so that tells me a they're, lot. They're very popular. Yeah, I, I don't know who this guy is, and you know, this was totally his opinion. Yeah. I would differ and say that I like the fact that it's not too big of a departure from what we see because the ones that get crazy and are departure are generally my less fa- my least favorite. My least favorite, I have to say, is Boston's. It has nothing to do with Red Sox. There's nothing red on it. It's it's yellow and blue. Uh, where did that come from? That's the uh, from the Boston Marathon. It, that's their official theme, font, colors, etc. And it's oh. you know City Connect. So it and and not to I'm not saying I disagree with you guys. I don't at all. But I understand because people are going to be looking at this thing differently than others. People are for for what your expectations are. Maybe that guy is thinking, give me a connection to your city, a theme of your city. Maybe not necessarily your team. And some people are, are excited about these things because it's going to be a completely different look of what you normally see. So it's all about what you, what you really like. Do you like tradition? Do you like something that fits in with your team and your brand? Or do you like something that's completely out of left field? I think you get different opinions on that. But there are a lot that I don't like. Yeah, I'd be interested for some of you folks to, in the, in the next podcast, send in some questions about that or what you like and don't like. Here's a question from Brian. He says... What's the best part about flying on the team plane? Easy for me. One word, convenience. Yeah, mm-hmm. get there quick, get out of there quick. Yeah, and it's comfortable, yeah. and you get good food typically. And there's no rules, really. You don't have to be sitting down with your tray table up and seat belt buckled upon takeoff. You can kind of do whatever. And oh, wait. yes, you do. <laughs> oh, yes, you do. Oh, uh, you got to follow the rules. They're so all uh, you get tossed off, huh? Well, I just mean from a federal rule standpoint right 
We don't break any rules. <laughs> yeah. We don't need anybody coming on checking. Just no smoking in the laboratory, Jay Chad. My gosh, how many times have we got to tell you? Yeah, come on now. Uh, let's see. Hey, guys, did Jay Chad plant the possum on the wall at the Oakland Coliseum, and, and is that why he's so eager to return there? That's from Zach in Smyrna, Tennessee. Zach, for some reason, he just likes the place. He loves Oakland. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not hoping for a possum encounter. I can promise you that. I am. I'm really hoping for possum encounter. Um, it would not be good. I'd probably have to mute all the mics, and we would be away for a little while. I'm really, really hoping that that does not happen. I want a possum sighting pretty bad, to be quite honest. Um, have you ever spilled something on your scorebook, maybe even one that you really wanted to keep from a specific game that's from Tucker? Tucker, I have I had the great coffee spill of 2019, and about a quarter of my book, the top right corner is stained brown from coffee, but I still have it. Yeah, we're all guilty of that. And um, I, I, I somehow inherited a clumsy exit from my desk or from my position when I'm calling a game from Dave Niehaus in Seattle. Every time Dave Niehaus got up, and he's, he drank tons of coffee, he'd have two or three cups sitting there, much like Paul Bird, and he would get up to go to the restroom between innings and have, get his, his headphone cord wrapped around his foot, yank it, grab it with his arm or something, and rake over three or four cups of coffee every time and i have been victim i have somehow adopted that and do the same thing on occasion that's my worst nightmare is all of this stuff up here on this desk just getting doused with something yeah it's it's not good that's why when we when i have water bottled water or my iced tea i put that lid back on every time just so that doesn't happen what are y'all's favorite walk-up songs on the braves and did y'all have any when you played that's from (laughs) writer i think we all predate Mm-hmm. walk-up songs. I had one in college. Did you? Yeah. It was a Jimmy Dean song. You had Big John, didn't Big you? Big Bad John. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. That was my song for four years in college. I love that. Wow. So, yeah, it was funny. We had umpires from time to time that we would see pretty consistently, and we had a few that would just start laughing every time my That's hilarious. five, eight, five, however tall I am frame walked up to that the plate. That is so great. I had didn't the, know had that. had the minor, uh, minor acts clinking in the song yeah big john i love that um my answer to that is 99.9 percent of the walk-up songs i don't know what they are (laughs) never heard of it don't know who sings them um i I did really so, enjoy. So I can't say if I like him or not. I really enjoyed, and he, did, he hasn't done it this year, but I really enjoyed the last couple of years when Austin Riley came out to the Stone, Stone Cold, Cold Steve Austin thing. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. a good one because it, it ties in. He put some thought behind it, and it's 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 not just a random song, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I do like. Um, let's see, uh, Kirby Yates. He, he he's coming into um, uh, Bob Marley. And that's just totally different from what you normally hear with usually you know ramped up rock song or, or hip hop song. He's coming into Bob Marley jam. It's uh, what's, could you be loved? What's AJ's? His has got some law enforcement. His tie, is um, it? yeah, it's um, is it Yin Yang Twins? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. It almost sounds like Dragnet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, but those are some good ones. What would yours be, Ben? God, that's so hard. I, I mean, it'd have to be something aggressive, 
something you know because i'm a i'm a big country guy um older country outlaw country in americana but that doesn't really fit what i'm trying to accomplish going up to the plate or if i'm on the mound i don't I'd want something that's hard rock or you know something upbeat so i'd have to think about that i, I love the classic rock i mean uh led zeppelin um that kind of stuff I yeah. love, uh, whiskey myers is one of my favorite bands now maybe a whiskey myers song uh but it'd be something i love skinner you know something rock something upbeat and rock how about you i know what joe's would be zz top sharp dressed man uh it would be zz top i'm not sure zz top would be pretty good because of the the tunes and the um guitar riffs but you gotta have something with a great guitar opening guitar yeah, riff. yeah i'm and it's actually I, i'm thinking legs oh that's a good one that's a really good one. Legs by ZZ Top. We needed to have that come on when you come on in the fifth inning. Yeah. Can we have that as a rejoin. Can you work on that, Jay Chad? I'll see what I can do. <laughs> okay. We got any more? No, we're coming up on about an hour. You got Snit coming up. You guys want to do one more each? Hey, Iglesias, we're watching some video of him throwing off the mound when he was pitching to Michael Harris the second the other night, and he looks good. He looks good. Yeah, I need to see not, him back soon. Not too much longer for him to go out on a rehab. Let's see here. Uh, uh, let me just say this real quick. Watching that video from a couple of days ago or yesterday, whenever, Sunday, I guess. Um, it used to be when a guy was on the disabled list at that time, the pitching coach and the manager would be out there watching a guy throw, not 15 rehab specialists. <laughs> it's changed a little bit. Oh, boy. All right, I got two more quick ones, and we can finish on these. Number one. When is the last time someone asked you for your autograph? That's from Jeremy. San Diego. Jay Chad gave an autograph on Getaway Day in San Diego. Nice. It was very uncomfortable for me because we walked out to the buses to go to the airport to fly back to Atlanta. We met a nice fan. Forgive me, I forget his name, but he was from um, San Diego. Yeah. Listens to all the broadcasts, the podcasts, had on his Braves gear, and he saw us walk out of the tunnel towards the bus that we get on, and all the fans were behind a barricade, and he sees me. I'm the first one out. All these guys are behind me, and he starts yelling my name, and he wanted me to come over and sign a ball, and I kind of waved at him, and I felt kind of embarrassed because it's like the last thing I need <laughs> is for any players or staff to see the radio engineer going over to sign a baseball. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it was a very uncomfortable moment, but Ben kind of uh, bridged the gap and – Went over and started talking to the guy and came over. Then Ben signed it, Brandon signed it, yeah. Peter Moylan signed it, and then I gave in and I did it. So That's that great. was uh, the last time. It was last week, and it doesn't happen too often. That was a good one. Well, it was, for the first time, it was a guy. That's right. Yeah, yes. that's right. All right, one more. You talked a bit about music on the last episode. In a winner-take-all karaoke contest, which song would each of you choose to sing, and who do you think would ultimately win? That's from Davis. Uh, it would not be me. That's all I can say on the matter. I, I, I would be horrible. No, I me neither. Davis, you ever heard uh, Tequila by the Champs? That's what I'd sing because it's got about three words of the whole song. <laughs> I know what I would be really good at. Uh, Sleepwalking by Santo and Johnny. <laughs> that doesn't really have any lyrics either, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> I went to karaoke one time in Panama City Beach, Florida with Ben and there wasn't that many people in this establishment that we Maybe went about to. Eight. Yeah, but I think I got booed off the stage that night. Wow. I'm telling you, it's really bad. 
Yeah. Well, me, I would be too. It's just brutal. Well, we we've also thought about this, I, and I pitched this to to Moylan and to, to Frenchy. So Jay Chad said he would sing the national anthem if we got him a Rolex watch. So if we all pitch in, I ain't pitching in for that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I I'm all for helping a brother out, but I don't want to listen to it. <laughs> I don't. You'd have to peel me off the ground if he sang the national anthem in this ballpark. Oh. I, I don't know that you could finish it. I mean, thank Carl Lewis, thank Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, All so the bad. worst ones. It would be worse than that. What would it be possible to like just read it? Yeah, I could do that. You know, just voice it. And I don't know. I mean, maybe I'll take some voice lessons in the off season it's gonna be expensive to work on that singing voice. you know you could go to mossy creek choral you know they did the anthem last night middle school you know who i think i want to train with oh the simpson singers simpson singers would be perfect they were a couple days ago yeah, yeah. I, I i really worked hard with them we'll call up timothy miller send him over to your house oh maybe do a couple of lessons oh my goodness if he's the the uh the tenor lion j the, chad and the, t mill tenor otter i don't know what you are <laughs> That's a great way to finish up the show for this week, and uh, we appreciate you tuning in. And, of course, we'll uh, always be open for your questions, your comments, our email address, bravesbooth at gmail.com. Tune in tonight, Braves and the Marlins, in the second game of the four-game series in the upcoming road trip as we head to New York to see the Mets and Miami to see the Marlins. For Joe, for J. Jed, I'm Ben. You've been inside the Braves booth. <laughs>